2: All right, so there is a game Sunday. The 49ers, 1 o'clock kick, Landover. I would imagine it'll be mostly a 49er crowd, so there will be no you know, home field advantage. Um, bless your hearts, those that keep going out there and rooting for them to win. Uh, again, I don't, I don't begrudge uh, any of the rooting for the win. Um, I just can't get there with you now. Um, It's just not in the best interest of the organization, not even close to it. It's the opposite of what's in the best interest of the organization. But what's interesting about Sunday is that the 49ers are in town. You know, this juggernaut of a team before last week, uh, a team that looked like one of the better NFL teams in recent years, they had won six games in a row. They had won five in a row to start the year. The three-game losing skid that they had, you know, in that October time frame was because they had a bunch of injuries. Debo Samuel was out. Trent Williams was out. They lost on a missed field goal at the gun at Cleveland. Uh, they got legitimately beat by by Minnesota and even Cincinnati. Um, but then, you know, there were just there was one blowout win after another. Um, during that stretch, including crushing the Eagles, uh, which was the most impressive win. And, you know, the, the Monday night game was a team that really appeared to be hungry in the Ravens and a team that thought maybe they had already arrived in the Niners. And it was a punch in the mouth over and over again, uh, uh, over and over again game by the Ravens. And it was impressive. So the Niners are going to come in here looking to, you know uh, to, to, to get back on track. First of all, it's a must win situation for them. With Philadelphia playing Arizona um, and the Philadelphia Eagles also being an 11 and 4 football team, if the 49ers lose one of the final two, uh, you know the Eagles would have to lose to the Cardinals or Giants for the 49ers to be the one seed, um, not to mention Detroit sitting there at 11-4. and four. Uh, That Detroit-Dallas game Saturday night is big, and then they close with the Vikings, who might be eliminated at that point in the in the finale. So the 49ers need to win this game. They're 12-and-a-half-point favorites. If we were treating this like a normal Friday, you know, what does Washington have to do to win um, – you know, we would come up with some real good reasons on how they could win. But really, to me, it's how can they keep it close? How can they cover the number, uh, the plus 12 and a half? I actually think that's doable. Um, But here's something that's going to have to happen for the first time this year. I shouldn't say the first time. It's imperative that it happens on Sunday. They've got to be able to run the football. And I don't know who they'll be doing it, you know, with – um, I'd love to see Antonio Gibson you know, featured in a big way, um, but really the 49ers, what's interesting about them is they are fourth in the league in rush defense traditional numbers, but a lot of that is because they've had such big leads that teams have stopped running the football against them. They're actually 19th in the league in yards per rush. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, just two games ago, the Arizona Cardinals rushed for 234 yards against the 49ers in a 45 to 29 loss. A game that they were actually, you know, not in necessarily, um, but this is the kind of game that that Washington would have to play. James Conner averaged six yards per uh, per carry. He had 86 yards. This wasn't all about Kyler Murray running the football, although he did have 49 of the 234 yards rushing. But they had 234 yards rushing. They averaged 7.8 yards per carry against this 49er defense. The 49er defense is great. The 49er defense has been at times vulnerable to the run in games that were competitive, and that game was as competitive a game as they've had, Uh, and so the Cardinals kept trying to run the football. I don't know that that's what you're going to see this week. I think you're going to see Eric Biennemi do what he's done all year long, Um, and if he does and they, they decide not to try to run the football and they're not successful running the football, their next best way of staying competitive offensively is quick game. You know, you're not going to drop back, even with Jacoby Brissett and his decisiveness, over and over again and have a big day against this pass rush, which has been elevated since Chase Young was traded to the 49ers. Um, when you've got the likes of Hargrave and Bosa and Chase and Warner and others, you you're not going to make a living You know, even on first and 10 play action, dropping back five, seven steps. That can't be a part of the game plan. And Brissette's better at it. He's bigger. He can see. The ball's out quicker. But I think you got to see a lot of quick game, which, by the way, they had a lot of quick game even with Jacoby Brissette in the game against the Jets. The biggest play offensively was quick game. To Terry McLaurin, the 29-30-yard to play was a quick hitch. So you're going to have to – If you're not going to make the running game a part of your plan, which they really haven't at any point this year, it's going to have to be focused, even with Brissett on quick game and getting the ball into the hands of some of your better players and letting them try to make plays against an outstanding defense. You know, an outstanding defense all the way at all three levels. Uh, Traverius Ward is playing at a big-time level for the 49ers right now. Um, offensively, that's it. You know, Obviously, you can't turn the ball over either against this particular team uh, because you turn it over against them, they'll also probably score with it when you do it. Uh, you got to try to run the football, but absent of that, you got to go a lot of quick game. Ball's got to be out of his hands quickly, um, and you've got to get it uh, you know, uh, in, in, into the hands, and hopefully guys like McLaurin and Dotson and others can make some plays, Curtis Samuel, et cetera. Defensively, you know, it's, it's impossible really to even envision Washington being competitive against the 49ers defensively. I mean impossible. To envision it. Um, The 49ers have been able to do against teams like Washington anything they've wanted to do offensively. Uh, It starts with, just like it should in every game with every defense against a team that can run the football, you got to stop the run. Um, Because if McCaffrey gets going, which he probably will, then everything else is going to be just so much easier, Uh, even easier than it might be even without McCaffrey. Running the football. And so stopping the run and keeping McCaffrey to, you know, less than five yards per carry, he's averaging five and a half yards per carry. Uh, and in his last five games, he's averaged six, five and a half, nine point one, six point four, and seven point four yards per carry. All right, that He's got five touchdowns over the last five games, and he's averaging nearly eight yards per carry. He averaged seven and a half against Baltimore. They just didn't run him enough. Um, so somehow, someway, Washington's got to keep him at below five yards per carry, which seems unlikely. But if they do that, um, then you move your attention to Kittle, And Samuel uh, and Debo Samuel and I think maybe one of the most underrated players in the game, uh, and that is Brandon Ayuk. Um, And I think they're getting Jennings back this week, and the kid Bell can play. Um, And so you've got a lot of 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 weapons, and they're gonna get the ball in their hands. And then at that point, what you really have to do is tackle because they are the best in the league with the ball in their hands. I think they're the toughest team to tackle that I have seen in a lot of years of watching football. Samuel's impossible to get to the ground. Uh, Kittle's impossible to get to the ground. McCaffrey's tough to get to the ground. Ayuk is very difficult to get to the ground. Um, You've got to tackle well, and it's not been a good tackling team at any point this year. Honestly, I don't see how there's any chance Washington keeps San Francisco below 35 or below 34 if the 49ers offense is on the field an equal amount or more than Washington's. Washington's best chance to keep it competitive, to keep it within the point spread at 12.5, is to score, which is what Arizona did a few weeks ago. Now, they do have a quarterback that runs around and can make plays in Kyler Murray, and he had 49 yards rushing But they ran the ball 30 times for 234 yards in the game. They had a nine-minute time of possession advantage. They stayed on the field by converting on third down seven out of 16 times. They ended up with 436 yards of offense against San Francisco. Now, they still lost the game 45 to 29. But they also had two turnovers in the game when they were driving, so this game was closer had they not self-inflicted with two turnovers. Um, and so Washington's going to have to do the you know the same kind of a thing. They're going to have to win this game with their offense. I say win. They're going to have to hang in there, try to get within two touchdowns by scoring. 24 points in this game. Can they do it? They, they can. I mean, they got a better shot with Brissett than they did with Sam Howe. That's for sure. I mean, in so many ways, I understand in a normal situation the move to Sam Howe. I still, given all of the season of telling us about how he's the future and that they're going to let him work through the rough moments, I still would have preferred to have seen him out there. But I understand that they think that this would have really been a bad day for Sam against this defense. But their only chance is kind of a 34 to 24, you know, a 35 to 24 kind of a game. They're never legitimately in it, um, but they're able to move the ball, possess the ball, and score enough to not allow San Francisco's offense 70 plays, you know, because if it gets 70 plays, they're going to get 35-plus points. They got 45 against the Cardinals in 54 plays. Now, they did score on defense in that game. Um, There you go. Do I think it's possible that they hang in there? I actually do. I, I mean, the line and the action on the 49ers is overwhelming, um, and to me, this actually feels very much like an over game. Like I, we could see 50 plus points in this game. The majority of them scored by the Niners. It is not, in my opinion, a winnable game. It was, it would not be winnable with a much better quarterback. You know, the guy that they're now fawning all over as a guy that Sam can sit back and learn from as if he's a hall of famer. And I love Jacoby Brissett. He'll play okay. Uh all right. Smell test next when we come back. Kevin Sheehan show the team 980 and the team980.com. How
0: powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms under restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023
2: Mm, Can you smell it? It's time for the
3: smell test.
4: Do you smell something?
3: We look where John Q. Public is putting their cash. Trust me, you just got to get past the smell. And go the other way. Can you feel it? Can you smell it? Kevin's smell test on the T-980. All
2: right, so five and four last week. Um, I'm 83-79-7 on the season. So plus four units. We got a lot of bowl games, we got the semifinals, we got still two NFL weeks, and then all of the playoff games left. Still trying to get to that 52.4% number, which is, from a money standpoint, um, where you got to get to to kind of take the vig out of it uh, and win some money. Although, some of you are paying far too much uh, on losses to begin with. I had NC State yesterday. Uh, That did not work out. Man, it... (laughs) certainly felt like it should have. Uh, I wish I'd given the Pistons out yesterday, plus 17. They were up 21 against the Celtics, lost in overtime for uh, their 28th consecutive loss. Um, So um, I had NC State. They is 21-19. They had multiple chances with the football in the fourth quarter, couldn't couldn't get it done. So 0-1 on the weekend, second straight Thursday night loss. My apologies. So let's go to the colleges, first of all. I like both of the semifinal games. I will get to that here momentarily. Um these games are so hard. Uh, you know, in bowl games right now, I think I am two and two on bowl games. Um I think, in the smell test, two and two. Maybe it's one and two. I had South Alabama, which was a winner, easy winner last week. But I had Troy. Did I have another game? No, I didn't. So I'm one and two on bowl games so far. The truth is that between now and New Year's Day, there really aren't any major public one-sided plays with sharp action on the other side. Um, I almost gave out Missouri in the Cotton Bowl, which is tonight at 8 o'clock. They're getting five and a half. I'd give a strong lean to Missouri against Ohio State tonight, plus the five and a half. They've had a really, really good year. Um, but it didn't really fit completely. There's some sharp action on Ohio State. Um, I The Maryland-Auburn game is the one game I'm going to give out. First of all, Maryland, for those of you who don't know, they play in, in Nashville tomorrow, uh, 2 o'clock right here on your Home for Maryland football, 1 o'clock pregame show um, and the Terps have won uh, bowl games in consecutive years with Mike Loxley at the helm. Uh, Leah Tungavailoa is not uh, going to play. A couple other guys are out for for the Terps as well. By the way, if I haven't mentioned this already, the word is, is that Leah Tungavailoa is trying to get another year of eligibility. Have we talked about this, Denton, or not?
5: No, we have not talked about this. Do
2: you know about this?
5: I had not seen this, no.
2: Leah is apparently going to apply for another year, but he's not going to play if he gets that waiver, if he gets approved for another year. He's not going to play at Maryland next year. They're going to probably play somewhere in South Florida to be near Tua, his brother. I don't know if that's Miami or if it's South Florida or whatever, Um, but that uh, is what I have heard the plan is. Now, whether or not he'll get that other year, he's played five years of college football. But remember, one of those years was a very shortened COVID year, his first year in Maryland, in which essentially he only played four games that year. And he didn't play that many games at Bama either before he got here. Um, so, uh, And certainly not as a starter. So He's not in this game. Billy Edwards uh, Jr. is going to be the starting quarterback. He is more of a runner. Maryland's getting less than a touchdown against an SEC opponent in Auburn. If you recall, the last time we saw them, uh, they gave up a fourth and 31 touchdown, which is why Alabama is in the semifinal game. Uh, they had Bama beat seven ways to Sunday, lost that game. They are, even with Maryland's number one player, Leah tunga out, opting out of this bowl game. Um, they are 6.5-point favorites. The line actually went to 7, 7.5. And, and there's been sharp money on Maryland bringing it back to under 7 right now. Uh, the public likes the SEC team playing against the team that is without their starting quarterback. Maryland plus the 7 buying the half point is your first play in the Music City Bowl against Auburn. I give Loxley a lot of credit. Maryland's played very well in these bowl games here over the last couple of years. Uh and so I give them a chance to being very being v- very prepared, very ready. Um and Auburn's not an explosive offensive team. Maryland played a little bit better defensively at the at the end of the year. Maryland buying the half point plus the seven tomorrow, two PM in the Music City Bowl. Didn't intend on having Maryland in the smell test. Uh, There are a couple of others. I kind of like Ole Miss. I'm not giving them out uh, against Penn State. Um, And then to a certain degree, uh, uh, Toledo looks good against Wyoming, but I'm not giving them out uh, officially. We go to New Year's night. We won't be back here until early next week. We are all off on New Year's Day. Um and by the way, the day after for 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 us, Stenton you're off that day as well. Um, and we go to the two semifinal games. The Rose Bowl game at 5 p.m. on New Year's Day. Uh, Michigan laying a point and a half right now against Alabama. The public loves Bama. I'll take Michigan minus the one and a half. And then a game that I really, really do like because not only do I love the fact that the public's all over Washington, um, I just think Texas is a really good football team, and I think they're going to prove it, and I think they're going to beat the snot out of the Huskies in that second semifinal game in the Sugar Bowl. Give me Texas laying the four. Uh, There are four-and-a-halves out there, but there are some fours out there as well, so I'll grab the four and take Texas minus the four. So the three college games between now and the next time we talk, Maryland plus seven, Michigan minus one-and-a-half, Maryland plus seven, Michigan minus one and a half, and Texas minus four. Let's go to the NFL. And we are going to start on Saturday night in Jerry World, where the Detroit Lions right now are five and a half point underdogs against the Cowboys. That's down from six. That number is coming down too. I'd play it sooner rather than later. The the reason the public loves Dallas, they always do, is that Dallas has been so great. At home, um, Detroit still has an outside shot for the one seed, and they still have a very good chance for the two seed. Give me the Lions plus the five and a half against the Cowboys. I have not done well with the Cowboys this year. Uh, understood. I mean, I I've had the Cowboys going back to the the Forty Nine er game. I had the the Cowboys catching that short number against the Niners. That did not work out very well. Um, I had Washington against Dallas. That didn't work out very well. Uh, I did have Seattle, though, didn't I, in that game against the Cowboys? I forget now. Um, And I did did have Dallas against Philly. But I had Dallas last week against Miami, lost by a half point. Give me Detroit in the Dallas game plus the five and a half. Let's go to Sunday. The most publicly bet team of the weekend uh, is – Los Angeles is in the Rams, laying five and a half in the Meadowlands against the Giants. Uh, There is some sharp money on the Giants as well, um, according to some of the information I have, including a couple of very big plays. I'll take the Giants plus the five and a half. After the Raiders beat the Chiefs on Christmas Day, they're on the road against Indy. This is a must win for both of these teams. Indy's not laying three. They're laying three and a half. I'll buy the half point and take the Colts at minus three. They're begging you to take the Raiders in this one, and people are taking the Raiders in this game. I am staying off the Washington game, even though if you forced me to play it, I'd actually take the points in Washington. Uh, But the sharp money is split on this game. The public money is definitely heavily weighted towards uh, the Niners. How about this one? The Saints struggling. The Buccaneers on a ro- roll. This is a massive game in the NFC South. The Saints are getting two and a half. I'll buy the half point and take the Saints plus the three. Um, The betting public is all over Tampa in that one, as they are on Jacksonville against the Panthers. So for like the fourth time in several weeks I'm giving the Panthers out but they've treated us well here recently had them against Tampa Bay winner had them against the Saints loser had them against the Falcons winner had them against the Packers winner I've had th- I've gone 3 and 1 with the Bucks uh with the Panthers here in their last four games they're the right side again getting 6 on the road against Jacksonville Give me the Panthers there. Two more plays. The Chiefs are laying seven. At this point, the public's off Kansas City. They're taking the dog in the uh, Bengals plus the seven at Arrowhead. I'll take the Chiefs and lay the seven and say they get back on track somehow. And then Monday night, um, they're starting Jaron Hall, the Vikings are, They're favored by a point and a half over the Packers, who have really struggled defensively in particular. Joe Barry, by the way, being absolutely skewered in Green Bay and in Milwaukee. Uh, We know that feeling. Uh, The Packers are actually the anti-public play here. Uh, People are off Green Bay. They think Minnesota at home on Sunday night football will win. I'll take the Packers plus the one and a half. Uh, so there you go. There's the smell test. The college games, Maryland plus seven in tomorrow's Music City Bowl, Michigan minus one and a half in the first semifinal game on Monday <clears throat> against Bama. And then Texas minus four against Washington. I really that's a game that I have liked ever since the numbers came out. Saturday night, I like the Lions plus the five and a half in Jerry World against the Cowboys. I like the Giants on Sunday, plus 5.5, the Colts minus 3, the Saints plus 3, the Panthers plus 6, the Chiefs minus 7, and the Packers plus 1.5. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin Sheehan DC. These college bowl games get weird um, with uh, things that happen and Uh, You know, late, uh, and so it's possible I could change the Maryland uh, play in particular before kickoff tomorrow. I don't think I will. Uh, And same on Saturday night and Sunday. Uh, If I post any changes, I'll post them to Twitter. Um, But there you go. Smell test for Week 17 in the NFL uh, and the final full weekend of college football this year. Um, and then we will get a championship game. When is that? Is it a week from Monday night?
5: Yeah, is that jam- when the championship, championship game, game is? is uh, January eighth, yeah. Yeah, so That'd a be week. be a great from day Monday for us. Night. I'm sorry? That'll be a great day for us. New coach? College football championship. What more do you want?
2: I don't know about it, I don't know if it'll be a new coach on January eighth, but I think the the clear the cleaning of, of house cleaning of will house. have started yeah. on January eighth. That's for sure. All right, we'll post these picks too on the Team 980's Twitter page uh, Denton will post them, uh, and I'll get them out as well. Uh, up next, Denton's news. We will talk more in detail about the two uh, semifinal games and maybe some of the bowl games a little bit later on in the show. Ben Standick at noon. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980 and the theteam980.com. Football Friday on the Team 980 is driven
3: by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. I love me some football.
2: The big tournament or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hitting the news you might have missed, it's Denton's Daily News. All right, Denton, what do we got?
5: All right. Let's start with your uh, your Terps last night. Get a big win over Coppin State. Look good, all without Jameer Young. Another double double for Juju Reese. That's a pretty good way to uh, to end the year.
2: Yeah, didn't. I mean, I actually watched it early this morning, uh, just the uh, quick version. Um, But uh, they've got Purdue on Tuesday night at home, Uh, and it's the number one team in the country coming into their building. So that'll be a test. Coppin's not very good. Um, yeah, Jim, I think Jameer Wright had, uh, was sick, uh, for the game, but you know, they've, they've played well here recently. Um, the win at UCLA, the win at UCLA, it was, was a good win. I, th- I thought UCLA was terrible that night for much of the game, but UCLA ended up beating Oregon state last night, I think in their first PAC 12 game. Uh, so that was a good sign. Um, J- Long played really well. I think he's really a, a big piece of what Maryland um, will need this year off the bench, you know they do not have. Uh, you know they lost Hakeem Hakeem Hart to, to Villanova, but a big loss for the Terps this year was Ian Martinez, who transferred to Utah State and is playing very well at Utah State. His energy defensively, his versatility defensively, and then he actually had a, a could 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 shoot it and was really athletic. They've missed that this year so far. Um, you know, he wasn't going to be a star at Maryland, but he was a key piece in their big wins last year. Uh, and he was a very late transfer portal guy. It stunned Kevin Willard. It stunned the program. Um, and it was a big hurt, uh, losing him. I think they knew Hakeem Hart was a possibility um last year they also had this guy um Pat Amelian who was a big time leader on the team last year but they got they got to get it together here you know this is uh you know nice little winning streak they put together they've won 5 in a row but really the win at UCLA and the win against Penn State are the key games in that stretch they now you know they get Purdue uh and then they get Illinois like uh, a week and a half later the the Big 10 will be a brutal slog and it's going to be interesting to see how they play Purdue. You know, this is the number one team in the country with one loss to Northwestern on the road, um, and uh, they came in here last year and they had a big lead. and Maryland went on like a twenty nine to four run. The building was just insane. And they knocked off Purdue, you know, kind of going away. And that turned out to be a huge win for them and their season. They're going to need, because their non-conference isn't going to look that, that strong, Denton, they're going to need to go every bit of like 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten this year. You know, they're going to have to finish in that top five, top six range. Um, long way to go. And this is when the season really starts to, to get into gear. But because they lost like they did early – to davidson and uab and then weren't competitive at, at villanova they're gonna have to do really well in the big 10 this year it's not gonna be easy what else you got
5: are you going to uh, the game uh, on uh, tuesday
2: not sure yet not sure yet um it, it it's actually there's I, i'm not i may not be back in town in time but if i am i'm gonna try to get out there
5: uh so you, we talked a little bit during one of the breaks about um the pop tarts bowl yesterday we ended our show yeah. talking about famous our, our favorite kinds of pop tarts the game itself i found to be a lot of fun it was nothing compared to the social media activity surrounding the actual pop tart mascot it won social media yesterday the memes oh were really everywhere. oh my god yeah
2: what was the i was it that? the wasn't it a strawberry frosted pop tart the the mascot
5: it was, and it was edible, so the winning team got to eat the Pop-Tart. But before oh, they got really? to eat the Pop-Tart, the mascot was just kind of wandering around. and It had these big googly eyes on that were taped to its body. It was everywhere. It was hilarious. The stage last night was a toaster, so it was a Pop-Tart coming out of a toaster. Like, whoever marketed or decided the marketing that they were going to utilize last night, absolutely drilled it. They knocked it out of the park. That is, to me, as a huge fan of college football and bowl games, that's what bowl games should be. The game was good. Everything about it was fun, and it's college football not taking itself too seriously. That's why I love that sport.
2: Um, was th- That game was in Orlando, right? I believe it was in Orlando. It was
5: somewhere in Florida, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean – the. He, so here's a thought real quickly. Uh, it, it's not uh, the perfect segue from this game because I, I, I enjoy Pop-Tarts. I've, I've always loved Pop-Tarts. We had the conversation about Pop-Tarts yesterday. You're not a big fan of the S'mores Pop-Tarts. I, I'd suggest that you give it a, a second chance. <laughs> but um, these bowl games are really, really tired now. And I know next year we get the 12-team playoff. My concern with the 12-team playoff and you as a college football expert and broadcaster I'm wondering if you've given this thought that with all of the opt-outs in these bowl games and the transfer portal being a big part of these bowl games as well these bowl games are basically teams in which you're watching that aren't really even the teams that you watch during the regular season. It's kind of sad but I don't have an issue anymore. I did early on with players opting out but Players opting out, especially players with a pro career and a draftable status, you know, putting it on the line for a meaningless bowl game and potentially injuring yourself and costing yourself millions of dollars, I kind of understand that. I do not understand it if you're playing for a championship. Like the backup quarterback from Texas who is – into the portal and is not going to be a part of the Texas team in their semifinal game on New Year's night against Washington. I think that's wrong. I think that's just a a bad decision. It's a bad life decision uh, because he's got a chance to be a part of something special Um, with relationships that will be lifelong anyway from the the relationships he made while he was at Texas, but to not participate and partake in something that you had a lot to do with, because he came in for Quinn Ewers this year and won a couple of games. Yeah. Um, And I know that he believes that Arch Manning is going to be the starting quarterback next year, but he was the backup. But here's my my question to you. Long way of getting around to 12-team playoff next year. The, the teams that play in that first round will have to win four games to win a national championship. Do you think we'll see opt-outs be a big part of the playoff field as well?
5: Um, of the playoff field, I don't think so. I mean, you might get a couple of, of situations like Malik Murphy, who's the backup quarterback you were just speaking of, to where a backup might enter the transfer portal. I think if college football and the powers that be are smart about it, they would close the transfer portal window and not open it until after the college football playoff. I don't know why it opens immediately after the season anyway. I think it's a ludicrous way of doing things. So I think if they're smart about it, they don't even let that be an option immediately. So that way you kind of... You rid yourself of that? Because let's be honest, I mean, what is the real difference in transferring today, hypothetically, or transferring, you know, a week or two from now? Not a whole lot, unless you're like hugely into academics. But let's be honest, a majority well, again, of the it's, guys you, transferring aren't academic It's transfers. It's,
2: it's the, the reason they're transferring is for a big NIL deal in right. part.
5: Right. It's so not like you're transferring it, for an engineering program.
2: So there's big money at stake, and so putting yourself out there, whether the transfer portal starts now or down the road, you're planning on going into the transfer portal. You're not going to risk that. So I I agree with you. I I think the transfer portal should wait. I just don't know whether or not it would have the impact um, that you think it would have. Uh, They would just, at that point, opt out, you know, um, rather than calling it a transfer portal. Uh, opt out. I just, I'm concerned that you know the teams that are playing in the first round of the postseason next year, and you let's just say you're the 10 seed, and you don't have much of a chance in your own mind of of making the championship or or winning it all. Um, will they view it the same way they view these meaningless bowl games? I hope they don't. I, I really hope they don't. But it's become such an issue in the postseason for this great regular season sport that I don't know why we would be we would think that there aren't going to be some of those issues in a you know in a four-week playoff run you know you start with the first round then you go to the quarterfinal round and we in the second uh, part of that and then the semifinal round and then the championship game Um, I bet you we'll see some key opt-outs uh, and maybe it will be backup players, but still backup players are important players when you're going to try to go on a four game run. Um, I hope we don't see that because we've waited forever for the expanded playoff format in college football. And it's just, you know, it's syncing up time timing wise with portal and opt outs, um, and NIL all kind of conspiring to make, you know, the players think about their futures before the team's futures, which I understand some of that. But if you're playing for a championship, I don't know. The I think you got to you got to play. I mean, if if you're not going to play for the championship and and play in in the postseason, why even play at the end of the regular season? You know, if you've already got your draft status figured out, or if you've you've already made your your, your decision on entering the the portal, why even play in the you know the regular season finale, as an example. Right. Um, all right, what else?
5: Um, so well, speaking of college football playoff, Alabama has been taking precautions, as you could imagine, to make sure that Michigan cannot steal their yeah. signs.
2: Yeah, saw that. Um, they should be. Remember, last year a lot of Big Ten teams reached out to TCU before that first semifinal game. Um, and told them you have to, you know, you've got to change your signals from what they were. And, and during the regular season and during the packed uh, during the Big 12 Championship game against Kansas State. You know, they were very aware of it and I think there's a, isn't there a story going around that they actually tricked Michigan with an early big play that they had that they sent in a signal that they knew Michigan would read as a certain play and they it was it was the opposite side of the field and it ended up being like, you know, a big 40-yard plus play. Um so yeah, I mean uh you know, Michigan lost that game to TCU, so they didn't have a chance to to play Georgia and have Georgia deal with it as well. Um, Bam, I'm sure will be uh, prepared. What else?
5: All right, so two quick NBA stories. Then I have a movie um, recommendation for you. Pistons lose. By like- the way,
2: real quickly, did you see the uh, the 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 story about um, Jalen Milrow and how one <sighs> of the Michigan. Uh, recruiters and recruiting him said essentially you're Reggie Bush you're going to be a running back did not think he was a quarterback so that's apparently fired up Jalen Milrow this week
5: that did but he also said Bill O'Brien said something similar last year oh
2: did Bill O'Brien say something also
5: yeah which I thought was odd but I mean I guess Bill O'Brien is going to is going to bill o'brien uh two quick nba stories here pistons lose their 28th in a row they blew a 21 point first half yeah. lead to lose 128 to 122 in overtime to the celtics
2: yeah they were a 17 point dog um and the public was on boston i actually looked at that game hard last night but i didn't know what to do with it but they they, they blew a big lead they had a chance to beat one of the best teams if not the best team in the league and they ended up losing in overtime 28 straight. But it was a hell of an effort, I guess.
5: Oh, that team is so bad. Uh, they, uh, they're they playing again. Who do they play next? They got the Raptors. I think it's tomorrow.
2: Mm, okay.
5: Yeah, Raptors beat up on the Wizards uh, earlier yeah, this they week. Uh, your boy I Jokic threw. tied uh, Wilt Chamberlain for the third perfect triple-double. He was 11-11 from the field, 3 of 3 from the free-throw line, 26-14 rebounds, and 10 assists.
2: Yeah, they crushed, uh, they crushed Memphis. Um, and uh, in that game, by the way, John Morant did not play. He was sick uh, in that game. Um, the funny thing about Jokic's season, he's having a great season again. He's averaging nearly a triple-double. But he's had some off games uh, recently. Um uh, shooting the ball in particular. There have been a couple of games that he's been a, a little off. There was a game that they played against Golden State earlier this week. That was the Christmas Day game as part of that that lineup. And at one point, he was like 0 for 9, I think, or 1 for 9 from the field, uh, but then got to the free throw line just for, for the entirety of the second half and went 18 for 18 from the free throw line um, in that game and I think ended up with like 27 or 28 points, something like that. Um He's spectacular. Uh, For all of you people that don't pay attention to the NBA for whatever reason, pay attention to the NBA for one reason more than any other, Nikola Jokic. He is one of the all-time special players and will go down as an all-time great. And I'm glad they won the title and he got that exposure last year because I think a lot of people did not really understand his greatness until the NBA Finals last year. Anything else?
5: Uh, Yeah, one final movie recommendation. A lot of our listeners have been reaching out to me asking if I had seen The Iron Claw. I finally went and I saw it yesterday. Have you heard anything about this movie?
2: No, although I've watched two movies this week, which I'll tell you about here in a moment. But is The Iron Claw, The Iron Claw, as in The Wrestler?
5: It is. It is a story of the... I'm not
2: familiar with the movie. I'm not a big wrestling guy, as you know, but I'm,
5: you know... Uh, Exactly, but that's the thing. So I took my dad to this movie yesterday, right? And my dad Uh is similar to you. Not a wrestling fan at all. He was thinking this was going to be some goofy old movie. He was just doing it for the sake of bonding, right? Uh, this movie was awesome. It is not a goofy wrestling movie. It's very much a, a family movie, and it just happens to be a family of wrestlers. It was fantastic. Zac Efron is the lead. Jeremy Allen White is in the film as well from The Bear. If you've seen that, mo- uh, that show that's kind of taken social media by storm, Everybody was really, really good in it. If you have a little bit of time, it's like two hours. It's a dramatic movie. It's awesome. It's emotional. It's a roller coaster. There's some ups. There's some downs. I was getting choked up. And keep in mind, like I know the story of the Von Erichs. I've known it for years. But even elements of the movie had me choking up. It was. It's a family filled so, with tragedy. So you tragedy. don't
2: have to be a wrestling person to like this movie. No,
5: no, no, no. Okay, no, no, not at all. I, not at all.
2: I, I've I've written it down. The it was, Iron Claw. It was. I've really got two good. of them. The Iron Claw from you and Tommy. Insists that I go see Godzilla. He said it's not it's not what you think it is. Um, I've watched two movies over the last week with kind of the boys in town and and figuring out things to do at night. So I'll tell you about the one that I thought was just okay. First, I saw Dream Scenario, the one with Nicolas Cage. His uh, that movie came out I think in November mm-hmm. of this of this year. It was okay. Um, he's, he's really good, but it's a weird movie, but I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd give it three stars on, uh, on the five star scale. Um, but the movie that I thought was really good. And I would imagine that Paul Giamatti is going to be up for, um, for an Oscar for this one is the holdovers. Have you seen this or heard about it?
5: I have not. I have not seen it. No.
2: So it's basically the story of this prep school in New England and Paul Giamatti plays uh, a, a longtime professor at the school and during the Christmas break, and this is like 1970s-ish, Um, there are a a number of kids that essentially are held over because they've got nowhere to go during Christmas. So one of the professors has to stay back and be with them for like a two week period. And it's the character that Paul Giamatti plays. And I'll leave it at that. It's a very good movie. It's an Alexander Payne movie. For those of you not familiar with Alexander Payne, he did Sideways, with with Paul Giamatti and Thomas uh, Hayden Church, which if you haven't seen Sideways rent sideways that's a that's a movie that came out probably mid2000s, 2005 somewhere around there um, and that movie is brilliant and may have been I don't know if that was the breakout movie for Paul Giamatti in his career um, probably not, right? No because he, he had that that part with um, uh, in the movie about Stern in Private Parts. You know the the director of WNBC. He was in that. Um, what else? But I think it may have been his first big role. Somebody can help me out on that. I know he'd been in smaller roles, and he was phenomenal in the HBO John Adams um, series, uh, playing John Adams. He was great in that, but this movie, I, I would bet it's up for movie of the year and his performance was brilliant. Um, and it's just a well done movie by a really, really good director. All right. That's, uh, that's, we've given out some recommendations for the holiday weekend for those that aren't going to sit around and watch football all weekend. Uh, the holdovers definitely highly recommend. I thought it was really, really good. Um, dream scenario with Nicolas Cage. He's, he's great. He's a weirdo. Um, but, you know, it was just okay. Um, Iron Claw from Denton. There you go. Ben Standing next.
0: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island